Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Last week on the Cherry Picking Podcast. In the SEC, I'm taking Tennessee over Kentucky. I expect this to be a close game. Kentucky has been in all three matchups of the season thus far. They beat Mississippi State 24-2, but the previous week they lost by one point to Ole Miss in overtime. Kentucky is playing competitively, and so I'm not going to say this is going to be a runaway victory for Tennessee. I, I like Tennessee's odds of beating Kentucky at home, but I'm just saying... Watch out. This could be a really, really close game. And then in the SEC, I'm going to take Texas A&M over Mississippi State. Mississippi State impressed a lot of folks in college football by their victory over LSU, which was a huge upset. And so while that air raid attack, you know, it's flashy, it's fun. I think the fact that they beat LSU the way they did is more indicative of the fact that LSU is really bad and they're really bad on defense. So I'm, I really like A&M's chances over Mississippi State. Uh, so I'm going to pick Texas A&M, but I just wanted to call that out. Like Mississippi State, they, they look good against LSU, the, the reigning national champions, but we're now seeing that LSU is no good this season. And so I don't know if it's realistic for us to think that Mississippi State is going to be able to have that same level of production against other teams in the SEC. All I'm saying is Mississippi State, they're playing against some teams now that um, are going to be a lot tougher than LSU was a couple weeks ago. Hey everyone, thank you for downloading another episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host Andre Cherry, and I want to welcome you into this very special episode where I'll recap week 7 college football action, and then I'll preview week 8. If you want to connect with me, you know how to find me. I hope on Twitter I can be found at cherry underscore picking. And if you want to connect with me, talk some college football or anything else, please feel free to reach out. But we'll go ahead and get started. We'll dive right in. On this episode, we'll go ahead and kick off or we'll recap my week seven locks. And so in week seven in the ACC, I had NC State over Duke. My beloved NC State got the victory over Duke 31 to 20. Duke was leading this contest at halftime. It was 20 to 14. But my Wolfpack were able to score 17 in the second half. And its defense shut out Duke in the third and fourth quarters. So NC State stepped up big time when they needed to in the second half and were able to score 17 points and get the victory. NC State's defense also had four sacks and forced three turnovers in this matchup. NC State is now 4-1 overall and will face 3-1 UNC this weekend in Chapel Hill. I was really excited for this game up until maybe a couple hours ago when I found out that NC State's quarterback, Devin Leary, he he was, I think, carted off the field. He has a broken fibula, and so he'll be out, it looks like, he'll be out for a significant amount of time. He's going to be out of the action in the ACC for about four to eight weeks. Four weeks would be the best case scenario, but you know, anytime you're breaking bones, it's certainly not a a good thing and definitely want to make sure he has time to heal and and recover. So I'm excited to see what NC State can do. They're ranked in the AP AP poll this week and they're facing a UNC squad that 
is coming off of a loss, but prayers go out to that young man, Devin Leary, for a speedy recovery. But in the week seven locks, I got the victory in the ACC. Uh, another team in the ACC that I had for my lock this week was Clemson over Georgia Tech. And as you know, the previous nine meetings, they were decided by more than 14 points in favor of Clemson. In this matchup, Clemson beat the doors off of Georgia Tech by a score of 73-7. to Clemson quarterback, Mr. Sunshine himself, Trevor Lawrence, completed 24 of 32 for 404 yards and five touchdowns. Running back, Travis Etienne, he rushed for 44 yards on 11 carries with one touchdown. He moved past former Florida State running back Dalvin Cook for second all-time on the ACC all-time rushing leaderboard with 4,474 yards. He only needs just 129 more yards to eclipse NC State legend running back Ted Brown for first overall. If you recall, Brown played for NC State from 1975 to 1978. So depending on how old or young you are, you may know of Mr. Ted Brown. I wasn't even born yet, but I I know about Ted Brown and, and how great of a player he was for NC State back in the day. If we look at his career at NC State, he rushed for 4,602 yards. His receiving totals, he had 760 yards receiving, two touchdowns in his career. Running the ball, though, he had 49 touchdowns as a running back for NC State throughout his illustrious career as an All-American. Brown, he was actually inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame back in 2013, and he also played in the NFL. The Vikings chose Brown in the first round. He was the 16th pick overall of the 1979 NFL Draft. And he played for the Vikings from 79 to 86, which was when I was born. A young Sherry Pickin, born in 1986. So that's a huge honor for Travis Etienne to move into second all-time. He'll probably take, it'll probably take a game, a game, on one of his best days to break that record. So it won't be very long for him to break the all-time rushing leaderboard in the ACC. I mean, this young man has had a great career. He's going to be a tremendous running back slash wide receiver slash, you know, dual threat in the NFL. He can do it all pretty much. So uh, Clemson continues to roll on. Georgia Tech, uh, you know, they they played better this season. They got a victory last week uh, over uh, Louisville, I want to say, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. But Clemson is just on another level. They are arguably one of the better teams in all of college football this season. So they did not stumble at all against Georgia Tech this weekend. So I get a victory there out of the ACC. And then if we look at the Big 12, I had West Virginia over Kansas. West Virginia gets the victory 38-17. to I thought I read something that Les Miles didn't make the trip to Morgantown because of COVID-related issues. I don't know if he had COVID or if he was trying to be precautious about not getting it, but I thought I read somewhere on Twitter sphere that he wasn't going to make that trip. So I don't I don't know if he was actually there or not, but it didn't really matter. Running back for West Virginia, Letty Brown, he had 195 yards on 18 carries. So that's a tremendous, tremendous stat for Letty Brown, 195 yards. And the West Virginia defense had five sacks, 11 tackle for losses, and forced two turnovers. The defense only allowed Kansas to convert on third down two out of 13 times. So their defense was stepping up this weekend against Kansas. Let's see if they can continue that 
for the rest of their schedule. But tremendous day for Letty Brown and that defense. I get the victory out of the Big 12. And then out of the SEC, I had predicted Tennessee to beat Kentucky. And boy, was I wrong. Kentucky got the convincing win over the Tennessee Volunteers by a score of 34-7. to You heard the soundbite to open the show. I thought Kentucky would be in this game just because of the fact that they had been in all three matchups of the season thus far prior to the game this past weekend. They beat Mississippi State 24-2, but then the previous week they lost by one point to Ole Miss in overtime. And then, of course, the game against Auburn, they played really close as well to open the season. So I thought Kentucky had an outside shot of winning it. The Volunteers, they are now 17-1 at Nayland Stadium versus Kentucky. So hats off to the Kentucky Wildcats for ending that streak that the Volunteers had over that program. And Wildcats, they, uh, you know, Coach Stoops, he has turned this program around. And and I think the, the future is bright for Kentucky. There are some things in those first three games of the season or those first couple uh, losses of the season that, you know, really could have gone their way. Um, had there not been that celebration prior to scoring the touchdown, I think a couple weeks ago against Ole Miss. Um, and then the Auburn game was was fairly close as well. So Kentucky is going to be a team you got to watch out for the rest of the season. They are playing good football. That's a good football team. And I expect, I expect them to get a few more wins this season and really shake things up. So the defense in this matchup, they the Wildcats defense forced four turnovers in this game, so that really was a difference maker for Kentucky. And hats off to the Wildcats. Uh, it sucks that I don't get the victory this weekend in the SEC, but Kentucky played some football, and they really beat the brakes down on Tennessee this past weekend. There was one SEC team that I did get right this weekend for my top five, power five locks. Uh, that was Texas A&M over Mississippi State. You heard it in the soundbite earlier. Mississippi State had an impressive win over LSU, but reality starting to set in now. Mississippi State, they can't do that air raid attack and be successful every weekend in the SEC. It's just it. It's seen, we're seeing now that it doesn't work so well against other teams in the SEC. LSU... Is not a good team this year. Their defense is pretty bad. And so I think that was more of an indication during that initial matchup that LSU is so far off from what they were a year ago that I think some people may have gotten the wrong opinion or may maybe came to a conclusion that Mississippi State is just going to just barnstorm the SEC. And that's really, it couldn't be any further from the truth. But I get the victory, Texas A&M over... Mississippi State by a score of 28 to 14. Texas A&M led this game 28 to 7 heading into the fourth quarter. So this game was looking like a runaway slam dunk for Texas A&M well throughout this game. Texas A&M's defense forced two turnovers in this game and they held Mississippi State's rushing total to minus 2 yards. MSU only managed 217 total yards in this game. And if we look at their total yards for the last 4 games that they played, At LSU, they put up 623 total yards. Arkansas, they had 313 in that loss. They also had 275 yards in their loss to Kentucky. And now in Texas A&M, they had 219 yards against the the Aggies. So I think that 623-yard performance is more of an anomaly 
but we will see what Mississippi State can do to maybe regroup and, and get it back on track. So those are my locks out of the out of week seven in the college football season. I went four and one. Overall, I'm 29 and five when making these straight up predictions. And so that brings my percentage to 85% accuracy when doing these predictions each week. This week for week eight action, I'm gonna try to go five and oh. And so these are the teams that I'm locking down for week eight. In the ACC, I'm taking Clemson over Syracuse. Clemson might hang 80 points on Syracuse this weekend. Like, let's be for real. Syracuse just got embarrassed last weekend against Liberty by a score of 38-21. to Yikes. Clemson's going to run away with a big victory over Syracuse. In the Big Ten, crazy to say Big Ten football is back. But in the Big Ten, I'm taking Ohio State over Nebraska. Ohio State is just on a mission this season. They're pissed off. Their season was about to be canceled or it was canceled at first, and now they brought it back for fall season. So Ohio State is just going to run wild. They're going to run silly. Justin Fields is going to be one of the players you're going to have to look out for the rest of the way this season. This is the fifth straight year that Ohio State has faced Nebraska. I don't know who Nebraska pissed off to get that unfortunate scheduling for the last five years, but five straight years that uh, Ohio State is going to be facing Nebraska. Buckeyes lost the first Big Ten game in 2011, but since then have won five straight. So I think it's going to be six straight this weekend. Ohio State, like I said, is on a mission, and they're not going to stop until they are hoisting that national championship trophy up in the air. In the Big Ten, I'm also going to take Penn State over Indiana. Penn State has won six straight against Hoosiers. I don't see them slipping or, or sliding this weekend. And then out of the Big 12, I'm going to take Kansas State over Kansas. Did you know since 2009, Kansas State has gone 11-0 against in-state rival Kansas? So they're about to go 12-0 after this weekend. Then in the SEC, I'm taking Kentucky over Missouri. We just talked about Kentucky being a team you're going to have to look out for the rest of the way. They're a talented bunch, and they've been in games this entire season. I think they're going to get another victory this weekend over Missouri. That should move them to 3-2 on their record. And uh, so there we go. Yeah, Kentucky, they have won five straight over Missouri. It's about to be six straight. So my week eight my week eight locks, let me repeat them one more time. In the ACC, I'm taking Clemson over Syracuse. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Ohio State over Nebraska. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Penn State over Indiana. In the Big 12, I'm taking Kansas State over Kansas. And in the SEC, I'm taking Kentucky over Missouri. So there we have it, folks. Those are my week eight Power five locks for this weekend. Count them down. Those are going to be five winners this weekend. I'm just, I'm positive of it. I'm sure of it. So right now we're going to take a quick timeout. I'll be right back on the other side of this break. We'll recap week seven action. And then we'll also preview the week ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back, friends. Sit tight. What's going on? It's Casey Callan, host of the Characters of Boxing and Beyond podcast. I'm here in beautiful Charm City, and I just want to remind you about a new book from Clear Contender Media. It's called How They Got Their Billions. We're exploring the business stories of pro football's 32 NFL owners. Every NFL team is worth well over a billion dollars these days. Some NFL owners amass their fortune through inherited wealth, oil exploration, but other stories are more far-fetched than fiction. So this new book, How They Got Their Billions, by me, kind of exploring the different path that all of today's 32 NFL owners took 
to acquire their fortune and team. So definitely check this book out. It's available right now, clearcontender.com slash books, or you can find it on Amazon. And uh, have a good one, everyone. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts, join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. On this half of the podcast, we'll get into some recaps of the action from this past weekend and week seven, and then we'll preview week eight. So of course, we got to start off with the big matchup out of the SEC. We had number three, Georgia versus number two, Alabama. Head coach Nick Saban, he was actually cleared to coach in this game following a third negative COVID-19 test on Saturday. So if, you, um, if you've if you been following college football, you, you know Nick Saban contracted the virus not too long ago. And so there was some speculation that he probably wouldn't be able to coach on the sidelines. But fortunately, through these tests that he's been taking every day, you know, he had a third negative test. So uh, due to team and, and probably conference protocols, he was able to, and allowed to coach on the sidelines during that matchup, which was a huge game. Alabama ended up winning... 41 to 24 in this matchup. Alabama racked up 564 total yards of offense. Quarterback Mac Jones, he's looking like a G. He completed 24 of 32 attempts for 417 yards and four touchdowns with one interception. His running back Najee Harris rushed for 152 yards with one touchdown. Mac Jones's favorite targets through the air were Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell, who both had over 160 yards receiving with three total touchdowns. So the offense was just working on all cylinders for Alabama. These boys balled out. They literally balled out. The Bama defense, I also want to talk about them briefly here. They did force three turnovers in this game. I was watching this this game in the at the end of the third quarter. I remember watching how the momentum just swung to Alabama after a costly pick from from Georgia late in the third quarter, the the Bulldogs they were driving um, and they were in position to score some points late in the third quarter. But then after a, a ball got tipped in the air by the Georgia receiver, Alabama picked it off, and they they had a nice little return on the interception as well, which set them up very nicely for a touchdown on that same drive, on that next drive for for Alabama. So. And then there was also a costly or a questionable uh, P.I. call on Georgia in the end zone, which had resulted in the ball being placed on the one-yard line for Alabama. So just a series of unfortunate events for the Georgia Bulldogs. And at that point, it was a close matchup. I mean, it was within a touchdown or so. And so the fact that things really swung the other way at that point in the game late in the third quarter, it just it didn't set them up for a comeback in any way and all the momentum swung to Alabama and it's just a shame that Georgia continues to be in this position they're a good team they were number three ranked in the AP bowl a very good team out of the SEC and they just can't get over the hump of beating Alabama 
Bama has now won the last six in the series, which includes two SEC titles and a national title. So it's just, uh, that's no no fun if you're a Georgia fan. And Nick Saban, he is now 22-0 and against his former assistant. So this dude is just, he's got the blueprint. He just doesn't lose. In pressure situations, Nick Saban's teams rise to the occasion more often than not. The fact that he's 22-0 and against his former assistants, some of which who are very good. I mean, they're good coaches right now. The fact that he's beating these guys so easily, it just shows you how much of a, a legend this guy is, a living legend. So that was a really interesting game. I, I Like I said, I saw some of it, so I hope you guys were able to watch it. I mean, certainly that was the the most exciting, one of the most exciting games of the weekend. Another exciting game was Temple versus USF. This was Temple's homecoming game this past weekend. And they were they had to come back in this matchup. Uh, USF, I think they were underdogs with like 13 points or something like that. And Temple barely survives to get the victory. The Owls trailed 31-20 to late in the third quarter. Temple scored three touchdowns in just over 11 minutes to retake the lead, 39-31. to And then they stopped USF on its two-point try in the final minute to secure a 39-37 to victory in the home opener at Lincoln Financial Field. The Owls are now 1-1 one one in American play. USF is 1-4. Temple quarterback Anthony Russo, he had a performance in which he completed 30 of 42 passes for 270 yards, four touchdowns. He also had two interceptions, which were a little bit of a head-scratcher, and they you know, they always seem to be. Russo has uh, got the tools to be very efficient, very successful, but he makes mistakes that cost Temple the opportunity. I mean, they, they could have lost this game. They very well could have been down a lot worse than what the score indicated, but they survived to see another day. Russo's favorite targets were Jaden Blue, who had nine catches for 60 yards, two touchdowns. Randall Jones had eight catches for 81 yards and one touchdown. Ray Davis, the running back who was a freshman phenom last year, he rushed 25 times for 83 yards in this game. Tavon Ruley also saw some action. He had six carries for 39 yards. The defense came up big, like I mentioned. And Temple, they survived USF this weekend, but they're going to have a rough road if they don't turn it around and, and play a lot better, if they play a better brand of football than what they've shown these last couple weeks. They play Memphis this upcoming weekend. That's going to be a tough matchup for sure. But they survived to see another day. They win by a score of 39 to 37. So those were some games from week seven action. If we look ahead to week eight, a few of the games I want to call out this weekend that will have my interest. Most definitely number 23, NC State versus number 14, UNC. NC State has won three of the last four meetings with the Tar Heels and nine out of the last 13. NC State, man, they they seem to have UNC's number or they have in the past this season it's a brand new team UNC looking like one of the better teams out of the ACC despite the loss this past weekend to Florida State FSU's defense was able to sack UNC quarterback Sam Howell four times and forced him into throwing an interception so the defense was busy as hell this past weekend in that matchup UNC versus Florida State Florida State's offense, led by quarterback Jordan Travis, scored 24 points in the second quarter. 
FSU was up 31-7 to by halftime. So it's remarkable that UNC was able to come back in this matchup at all, but they weren't able to do enough to overcome the deficit, and Florida State holds on to get the victory. NC State versus UNC, I, like I said earlier, I was really pumped for this game, thinking that they would have all the tools at its disposal. But the fact that Devin Leary, the quarterback for NC State, is out four to eight weeks with a broken fibula, that is not good. And so I'm a little nervous, but I'm hoping my NC State Wolfpack can get the victory this weekend against UNC. Then out of the Big 12, we've got number 17, Iowa State, versus number 6, OK State. I feel like Oklahoma State's games this season, for the most part, have been postponed or canceled. It just seems like every other week there's a cancellation or a postponement, and it's kind of crazy. But OK State and Iowa State, I mean, these are two teams that are currently tied for first place in the conference. Iowa State is 3-0. and OK State is 2-0 and in the conference. And the last time OK State won the Big 12 Conference was in 2011. Do you remember that? They've only won the conference one time. They've won the conference championship one time. Iowa State has never won the Big 12. So I'm all in favor of these two teams trying to represent and win the Big 12 this year. Or even Kansas State for that matter. I want to see something different than what we've seen from Oklahoma. Texas is always being mentioned as a team that should be in the running for the Big 12, but they haven't really come over the hump as of late. But Iowa State, they've been playing good football. OK State is a team that's playing good football as well when they do get an opportunity to play if their games aren't canceled. So I'm all in favor of seeing who is for real out of these two teams. Iowa State versus OK State, that should be a good game, and I cannot wait to watch that. Then out of the Big Ten, we finally have Big Ten football again. We have number 18, Michigan, versus number 21, Minnesota. Did you know that the winner between these two schools gets the Little Brown Jug, which is the first trophy game in college football dating all the way back to 1892? That is some crazy history. Minnesota has lost the last eight of nine matchups between the Wolverines, but P.J. Fleck is a guy that loves to row boats, and I, I, I'm feeling like Minnesota can pull off the upset. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. This is a real matchup in the first week of Big Ten play. Number 18, Michigan, on the road, I believe, at number 21, Minnesota. Who you guys got? Who you picking? That should be a fun, fun game. Row the boats. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. <laughs> So those will be some matchups that I'll be watching this weekend. All six of these teams are ranked in the AP poll for this week. So we're going to see some changes, maybe possibly some upsets this weekend. I'm excited to see that all play out in week eight action. Before I get out of here, I just want to read some tweets that I found interesting this past weekend. The first one was from Colin Coward, and he said, and I quote, Notre Dame has won 35 of its last 40 games. It's academically tough, geographically isolated, lousy winter weather, and generally play a decent schedule, yet nobody gets more crap than Brian Kelly. Easy top five, six college head coach of all time, end quote. I know Notre Dame had a very close victory this past weekend. I don't want to say that he gets a lot of crap because I don't know if that's true per se. I feel like he's really not spoken of that much in media and the fact that he is a pretty good head coach 
and he you don't really hear his name much. And I always wonder what is his next move? Like what is he trying to do? Is he trying to win a national championship at Notre Dame? Is he trying to go to the NFL? I'm just curious what his end goal is. If you look at his his record at Notre Dame, he's been there now on he's on his 11th season there. He's got 96 wins compared to 37 losses. So that's a pretty good win-loss ratio right there. Good for 72%. He's taken them to nine bowls. He's won five of those bowls. It's crazy that Colin Coward said that about Brian Kelly. I don't I don't know that he gets a lot of crap. I, I just I feel like we don't really talk about Brian Kelly. And, you know, Notre Dame is a program that should win all the time, you would think. They recruit very well. But I think I think Notre Dame, the institution, gets a lot of crap because of the way that they have their arrangement with the ACC. I don't know that Brian Kelly, per se, gets a lot of crap, but I, that could just be me. Maybe I'm not hearing the same things that he's hearing. But I just thought that was a really interesting tweet from Colin Coward. The, the next tweet that I wanted to just read to you all was in regards to this Arkansas team and head coach Sam Pittman. My good friend... And you can follow them at NCAA Nation 24-7. They're a good account to follow. They had a tweet out there from uh, this past weekend. And I quote, I underestimated this Arkansas team and head coach Sam Pittman. Coach Pittman is doing an excellent job and this program. Seems to have found the right guy for the job. I'm also very impressed with the job defensive coordinator Barry Odom is doing. End quote. And if you look at Arkansas, I mean, this is an Arkansas team that has looked impressive. And I I say that with the fact that, you know, sure, they got beat up pretty good the first week of the season against Georgia, 37 to 10. But Mississippi State, they were able to beat 21 to 14. Then they played number 13 Auburn on the road, mind you, and lost by two points. It was 30 to 28. I mean, Gus Malzahn was probably sweating during that contest. Arkansas gave Auburn all the competition that it wanted and was able, you know, they were able to get the victory, but Arkansas showed up for that matchup on the road. That's that's insane. And then this past weekend they get the victory over Ole Miss by a score of 30 33 to 21. So Arkansas is doing the thing. They're doing the damn thing out there. And so I'm not saying that they are, you know, going to win out the rest of the way. But the fact that they are in these games and that this head coach has inspired this team and infused a new culture in there is certainly something that you have to take notice of. Certainly something that you have to uh, give respect to the fact that he's doing this and they are in these games. He's got his boys believing and so I'm curious to see how what they'll do the rest of the way. Uh, this in a couple weeks, not this weekend, but uh, on Halloween, they play Texas A&M on the road. So we'll see what Arkansas can do. We'll see if they can show up. But you definitely got to take notice. Arkansas is playing better than a lot a lot of people probably anticipated this season. Um, so hats off to Coach Pittman and the rest of his team for coming out and playing competitive football. They're two and two on the season and who would have thought that before the season kicked off they had number four georgia number 16 mississippi state number 13 auburn and they're two and two i mean that's that's pretty solid i'm not gonna lie so that brings us to the end of the show my friends i hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode i hope you've 
been safe and I hope you're staying sane and, and trying to be healthy and just trying to be the best version of yourself. This is a crazy period of time right now, but it is nice that we have things that we can enjoy such as sports and, and college football. And so I hope you've enjoyed the action if you're a college football fan. And I hope you have fun watching college football this weekend. Week 8 action. The Big Ten is back. Are you guys excited for that? It now feels like the college football season is here now that we have college football in the Big Ten Conference back for fall action. It's going to be a fun weekend for sure. Just continue to wash your hands, wash your face, wash your feet, and socially distance from others. And we'll get through this hopefully sooner than later. But with that, I want to wish you all a very great week and I hope to talk to you in the near future. Take care, my friends. Peace. Yo, what's up, Philly Dre? This is your boy, Casey Kane, just letting you know that your hometown Philadelphia Eagles are getting punked by those Baltimore Ravens, dude. Baltimore, Maryland, punking Philadelphia as we speak. Did I stutter? Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickingsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.